This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who capes of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, with Superman still unaware of what is going on, cub reporter Jimmy Olsen hears once again from Abdul, the man who presented him with the amazing genie. Hello, Jim Olson speaking. This is Abdul. Abdul? Oh, yes. I say that the genius Hoshaya has granted your first wish. Boy, I'll say he did. Then I presume you will ask him to grant another wish today. Well, I don't know. I've been kind of wondering. Go on. Ask him and he will grant it. Just as he did yesterday. But remember, the hour for communication with Hoshaya is six o'clock. You know, gang, there's always one fellow or girl in the neighborhood who's looked up to by all the others. He knows the score. And it's a safe bet that most people look up to such a fellow not so much for what he knows, but for the things he does. The way he acts toward other people. His ability to get along with all boys and girls in town, no matter what their race, religion, or nationality. Well, gang, here are some pointers that might help you become the leader of your neighborhood. They've been tried many times and proven true. Now, check your own action against these questions, scoring one point for each yes and nothing for each no. Answer honestly. If your total score is three or less, then you'd better get on the ball and change your ways. If your total is four or five points, then you're about average. But if your score is six or seven, then, brother, you know the score. Now, here's question number one. Are you interested in lots of things? For instance, if one of the boys on the block is keen on machinery, can you talk to him about it or listen to him while he explains a special type of machine to you? Or if another fellow is all wrapped up in stamp collecting or chemistry, ever take time out to ask him about it? Well, we know some guys who are interested in sports and nothing else. Anybody who isn't interested in sports, they call a bookworm. But the guy who knows the score also knows that people are interested in lots of different things. And he should be, too. 
So, question number one is, are you interested in many things? Well, you think that over, and a little later in the program, we'll give you the other six questions. So be sure to keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. A bearded man who wore a turban and earrings and who called himself Abdul presented a small bronze statuette of a creature half man and half ram to Jimmy Olsen, cub reporter for the Metropolis Daily Planet, saying it would make his wish come true. Later, to Jimmy's amazement, the genie actually appeared to talk. And when the cub reporter wished for a big news scoop, he was told to enter a deep sewer tunnel nearby and his wish would come true. Jimmy made his way into the tunnel where a terrific explosion occurred, and only the arrival of Superman saved Jimmy's life and prevented a citywide disaster. But Jimmy had his scoop, a page one story in the Daily Planet signed with his own name. As we continue now, it is the following morning. Superman, in his guise of mild-mannered, bespectacled Clark Kent, is in Lois Lane's office where he is talking with the Daily Planet's girl reporter. Isn't it wonderful, Clark? I mean, about Jimmy getting that terrific scoop. No, Lois, I don't think it's wonderful at all. Oh, now, Clark, don't tell me you're jealous. Well, nonsense, but if a rat hadn't run into the trip cord and set off a dynamite charge while Jim was still 25 feet away, he would have tripped over the cord and been blown to bits. Oh, good heavens. He was lucky, wasn't he? And how? He can't expect to be as lucky the next time. The next time? Well, what do you mean? Well, my hunch is that Jim was deliberately lured into the tunnel by somebody who expected him to stumble over the trip cord and be blown up. Oh, and... rubbish. Who would want to do that to Jim? Well, I can't imagine. But once when I was questioning Jim about who gave him the tip, he started to mention a name and then caught himself. But what I heard sounded like Jeannie. Jeannie? Yes. Do you know any friend of his named Jeannie? No, I... I don't. No. I'm worried, Lois. I'm very much worried. Why, Clark? It's all over now. Oh, I doubt it. If somebody tried to kill Jim once, he'll try again. Oh, now, Clark, I think you're imagining things as usual. I'm not. I tell you... Oh, hello, Polly. Why? Why, hello, Jim. Congratulations. That was a terrific story. Thanks, Miss Lane. Hi, Mr. Kent. Morning, Jim. Did you uh, get a load of that headline? Daily Planet reporter discovers plot and Superman saves city from disaster by James Olsen. <laughs> not bad, huh? Not bad. Wonderful. Uh, take it easy, Jim. I'll see you both later. I got some work to do. Gee, he wasn't very cordial, was he? Oh, forget it, Jim. Tell me all about your scoop. Tell me about, um, Jeannie. What did you say? I said, tell me all about Jeannie. You know, the one who tipped you off to that scoop yesterday? How did you... I mean, what are you talking about? Uh-oh. So Clark was right. What do you mean? He said you started to say that some girl named Jeannie tipped you off to the scoop and then you went numb. Oh, no. Well, he's wrong. I don't know any girl named Jeannie. Now, Jeannie... I don't, Miss Lane, honest. Well, then why did you get so fresh just now when I mentioned the name Jeannie? Who, me? What? Yes, you can't fool me. Something is bothering you, Jim. Isn't there? Oh, oh shucks. Look, Miss Lane, do you believe there's any such thing as, as supernatural powers? Supernatural powers? Uh-huh. What I mean is, do you think, well, say, a statue of a, well, of anything could talk? Whatever makes you ask such a silly question. It's not silly, honest. Look, if it was a statue of, well, I mean, not really a statue, Oh, just a minute, Jim. Hello? Uh, Just a moment, please. You, Jim, important. Oh, thanks. Hello, James Olsen speaking. Uh, Hey, Olsen. This is Abdul. Uh, Oh. I am happy, my friend. And my master will be happy to know that Shushaya has granted you your first wish. Oh, you mean the... Uh... Yes, Shushaya, the genie. Oh. Oh, yes. Now Shushaya is ready to grant your second wish this evening. This... this evening? Of course. 
Have you forgotten you are to express your wish to Shushaya at sundown? At six o'clock. Oh, no, but... And remember, you are to wish in the same place you were last evening. Oh, yeah, and Mr. Kent's off... I know. Good. One other thing. Remember, if Shushaya is to grant your wish... It is imperative that you reveal nothing of what transpires between you to others. Do you understand? Yeah, sure. Very well then, my young friend. Good luck. And may Shushaya continue to favor you as you deserve. Thanks. So long, Abdul. Well, that was rather a strange conversation, Jim, judging by your remarks. It, it was? Yes. Who's Abdul? Oh, a, a kind of a friend of mine, Miss Lane. I see. Now, what did you mean before when you asked me about supernatural powers and statues, which which weren't really statues, being able to talk? Oh, nothing, Miss Lane. I, I was just kidding. Now, don't give me that. You had something on your mind, Jim. Now, come on out with it. No, thanks very much, Miss Lane, but I'll settle this myself this evening. Warned by the mysterious Abdul not to reveal anything of the genie to others, Jimmy Olsen decides to keep another rendezvous with Shushaya that evening. What will happen? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. All day long at the Daily Planet, Jimmy Olsen has been on tenterhooks, watching Clark Kent come and go. Returning from police headquarters at 4.30, Kent shoved himself into his office. And now, watching the long hands of the city room clock move to 5 p.m., 5.30, then to 5.45, Jimmy is becoming desperate because Kent is still at his desk. And it is in Kent's office promptly at 6 o'clock that Jimmy has a rendezvous with Shushaya the genie. The time reaches 5.50, then 5.55, and the frantic Jimmy is alternately praying and racking his brains for some means to get Kent out of his office and out of the building. But he can think of nothing. And at two minutes before 6 o'clock, he just gives up all hope. When suddenly, Kent's door opens. Hello, Jim. Oh, how come you're still here at this hour? Uh, I'm expecting a, a message. Are you leaving now, Mr. Kent? Yes, I'm meeting Inspector Henderson at Mayor White's office. Henderson thinks he may have a clue to that explosion last night. Oh, well, you better hurry, huh? Yeah, I'm on the way. Look, if Lois comes in before you leave, tell her where I am, will you, and ask her to wait? Yeah. Uh, I told her I'd discuss that Sunday feature with her. Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll tell her. You better... Oh, gosh. What's the matter? But it's six o'clock. You better step on it. Hurry. Hey, you sound as if you're anxious to get rid of me. Are you? Oh, me? Where'd you ever get that idea? From the way you're behaving. Well, what do you mean? I'll talk to you about it later. There's no time now. Go on. So long, Mr. Kent. Waiting tensely until Clark Kent has left the city room, Jimmy jerks open his desk drawer, snatches up the small carved box containing the bronze genie, and races into Kent's office, closing the door behind him. The young reporter sits down at the desk and with trembling hands removes the tiny bronze figure with the horned head of a man and the body of a lamb, then sets it in front of him. Oh, get a hold of yourself, Olsen. You know you really don't believe in this stuff. Uh-oh. Jimmy's walking. Like it did yesterday, just before it started to talk. What is your wish, master? Oops. It's talking again. Take your wish, master, and it shall be granted. His eyes wide, Jimmy Olsen stares in awe at the tiny rocking figure of the genie. And he hears the same voice he heard yesterday promising to grant his wish. Jimmy's intelligence warns him not to believe what he sees or hears. But despite that, he finds himself speaking, fluttering his wish. Come on, Shushaya. 
Give me a big scoop, like you did yesterday, so I'll get to be a famous reporter like Mr. Kent. What will happen as Jimmy wishes for the best and Clark Kent fears the worst? We'll find out in tomorrow's thrill-packed episode, fellows and girls, so be sure to listen. Tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 5 of The Secret of the Genie on The Adventures of Superman. Something right here, aha! Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! With an exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as 11 dollars per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot u-s forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, with Superman out of the office, Shushaya, the tiny bronze genie, seems to speak again to cub reporter Jimmy Olsen. again. State your wish, master, and it shall be granted. I can't believe it, but, but it worked yesterday, so what have I got to lose? Here goes. I wish for a big story, Shushaya. A scoop like I got yesterday, so I can get to be a famous reporter. Your wish shall be granted, master. Drive north down River Road at once. There you will find your story. <laughs> Gang, I'm sure all of us at one time or another have played this sucker by making snap judgments. Such as, for instance, in sizing up new acquaintances. We take a quick look, maybe say hello and goodbye, and then we think we know all about the fellow we just met. Well, it just doesn't work that way. Sad experience will teach you, if you haven't already found out, that you can't rely on snap judgments to tell you much about anybody. Now, suppose that I decided I couldn't stand a guy who moved in next door. Then, strange as it may seem, in a couple of weeks we became real pals. The new neighbor turned out to be a swell guy, and I found out that my first impression of him was all lopsided. See how foolish I'd look to myself 
Well, that shows that prejudging a man before you ever really get to know him is senseless. Even when you make up your mind you don't like a guy because of his tie, or the fact that he roots for the Dodgers, or because he squints all the time. Those are your prejudices. But some people have more dangerous prejudices. They decide in advance that they don't like a fellow because of his race or his religion or the country his grandfather came from. They never really get to know the guy. Now, does that make sense? Certainly not. Because in the end, prejudice makes you lose out. For you don't give every boy and girl a chance to prove what kind of people they really are. You're the one who winds up missing some very fine friendships with some very swell people. It's as simple as that. And now, the adventures of Superman. Cub reporter Jimmy Olsen was vastly amused when a mysterious man named Abdul, who said he was the servant of a great desert sheik for whom Jimmy had once done a service, presented him with a tiny bronze figure of a genie, a creature half man and half ram then advised him that the genie known as Shushaya had the power to grant its owner's wishes. To Jimmy's amazement, the tiny bronze figure actually seemed to talk, and it told the young reporter to enter a sewer tunnel deep under the streets of Metropolis. There, a terrific explosion almost caused a citywide disaster that would have cost Jimmy his life. But Superman rescued him and prevented the disaster, and Jimmy had his scoop. A page one story in the Daily Planet. Early the next evening, as instructed by Abdul, Jimmy, despite his better judgment, privately consulted the genie again and wished for another scoop. And once more, the voice apparently coming from the genie told him... Drive north down River Road at once, and your wish will be granted. As we continue now, Jimmy has burst into the almost deserted Daily Planet city room, just as Lois Lane, the girl reporter, walks in. Miss Lane... Miss Lane, will you do me a favor? Why, yes, of course, Jim, if I can. What is it? Uh, lend me your car, please. My, my car? Uh-huh. I'll be careful of it, honest. Please, will you let me have it? Oh, but you don't have a driver's license, Jim. Well, I've got a permit, though. Well, you don't use your permit when licensed drivers, will you? You know that. Yeah, but... Oh, gosh, what'll I do? I, I've got to have a car right now. Why? Well, you see, I, I can't tell you. Now, but... why can't you tell... What goes on? Well, I... Oh, shucks, I've got to tell you. I got another tip. A tip? Yeah, on another big scoop, just like I got yesterday. Oh, you did? Uh-huh. I've got to drive out River Road at once, right now. So look, Miss Lane, will you let me drive your car? You can come along and... and well, I'll split my byline with you. If oh, you never mind the byline, but I'd like to know more about this, Jim. Who gave you the tip and what's the story? I can't tell you that. Why not? Because I... Well, I'm not sure, and besides... Oh, golly, Miss Lane, we're wasting time. The gene... Who? Oh, this person said I had to go at once. And if we don't leave right now, we may miss the scoop. Well, I I don't know. Look, my tip paid off yesterday, didn't it? Yes, but you almost lost your life. And Clark said the whole thing was a trap to get rid of you. Oh, wait, mister. Can't ever get that crazy idea. Well, I don't know. I don't agree with him myself. But... Well, then what are we waiting for? Come on. You don't drive more slowly, Jim. I'll make you stop and I'll take the wheel. Well, there's hardly any traffic out here, Miss Lane. Just the same. Stay under the speed limit, will you, until we reach River Road. There are houses around here and factories, and it's dark. Okay. Taking us an awful long time to get to River Road. No, we're practically there. As soon as we make the turn around the American Aircraft Factory, just ahead. Hold it, Jim. That's a stop street. I saw it. Oh, sorry. Just wanted to make sure. What the... That sounds like a machine. Good heavens. A man has just been shot. Huh? Oh, where? Those men jumping into that car across the street. They ran out of the offices of the aircraft company. Do you see them? Yeah. 
Look at those big bags they're carrying. Cheapest, Miss Lane. I'll bet they robbed the aircraft factory. And that was the watchman they shot. Get out, Jim. We've got to help that poor man. Wait. There come some people across the street to help him. We better go after those bandits. No, Jim. They've got guns. We'll call the police. Let those guys get away? Nothing doing. This must be my scoop, and I'm going after it. Did you see Miss Lane? I was supposed Miss to meet... Miss Lane left, Mr. Ken, about a half hour ago. She went out with Jim Olson. Oh, no. I distinctly <laughs> told Jim to have Lois wait for me. We've got to put a feature together for the Sunday magazine section. Oh. Did they say where they were going? No, they didn't, but... Uh, just a minute, Mr. Kent. Sure, Andy. Anderson, city desk. What? Give me that again. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. I got it. What's up, Andy? That was press service. A mob just cracked the safe at the American Aircraft Company and got away with a payroll of a quarter of a million dollars. And not only that, they shot and killed a watchman, and I haven't got a reporter in the shop to send out there. What'll I do, Mr. Kent? Leave it to me, Andy. I'll be out there in two shakes. Stand by for a phone call. Good gravy, Jim. You're doing 70 miles an hour. Slow down. Let those bandits get away, Miss Lane. Look out, they're shooting at us. Yeah, they must have noticed we were following. Well, slow down, I don't want to get killed. Relax, it's hard for them to aim straight at this speed. Just the same, I... Jim, you must be crazy taking chances like this. Now, stop right now and we'll call the police. Oh, we're going to call them out on the highway. Besides, nothing can happen to us. Oh, no. Oh, we can just lose our lives, that's all. No, we can't. Shushaya's on our side. Who? Jeannie. Oh, I mean... Well, just relax, Miss Lane. Nothing can happen to us, I tell you. This is my scoop, and I'm going to follow it through. Ducking low in her seat as the bandits' bullets ricochet off the hood of their car and whine past their ears. Lois Lane shouts wildly to Jimmy Olsen to stop. But Jimmy, serene in his confidence that the genie Shushaya has led him to this scoop and will protect them, continues his headlong pursuit of the bandits. What will happen? And now... Back to the adventures of Superman. At the wheel of Lois Lane's car, with Lois huddled low in the seat beside him, cub reporter Jimmy Olsen is pursuing the fleeing bandits who stole the aircraft company's payroll and shot the watchman. You can sit up now, Miss Lane. They stopped shooting at us. Oh, thank heaven. Jim, now listen to me. You've got to stop. We've got him now. We've got him. We've got him. What do you mean? They're coming to the place where they're building the new bridge over the river. They'll have to detour into Eastland. We can get the cops there. Well, now you're talking sense. Hey, what? Now what? didn't stop for the detour. They went right on through. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. I don't see any detour sign. Say, neither do I. It was here last week, though, when I came through with Mr. Ken. Well, they must have completed the bridge then. I guess so, but they should have fixed this road before they opened it up again. They certainly should have. Oh, Jim, wait a minute. I don't see the bandit's car. You'll see it in a minute when we get around that turn. There's a short hill down to the bridge. Well, slow up, for heaven's sake. This road is jouncing my teeth out. I can't slow up anymore a couple of crossroads the other side of the bridge and I'm afraid I'll lose those guys. Good grief. What was that noise? Gosh, I don't know. Jim, slow down for that turn. Hang on. I want to see what made that noise. It sounded like holy mackerel. Look, Miss Lane. The bandit's car smashed through the gate at the bottom of the hill. Jim, Jim, stop. There's no bridge. I, I can't stop. You've got to. There's no bridge. We're going to the river, too. We're going too fast. I can't stop. Look out, Miss Lane. Jim, Jim. <laughs> Unable to 
bring the speeding car to a stop on the short, steep hill. Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane cry out as their car skids and careens through the shattered wooden crossbars and plunges off the road to the river below, into which the bandit's car has just disappeared. Meanwhile, as the car bearing Jimmy and Lois plummets down toward the deep, dark river, Clark Kent, in his true identity of Superman, has arrived at the American Aircraft Factory and is talking with a police sergeant. Which way did the bandit's car go, Sergeant? I don't know, Superman. I just got here. Oh. Somebody said it went north on River Road. North? Yeah. I'm going to call headquarters and put out an alarm. Those fellows have a pretty good start. Not too long a start for me. I'm going after them, Sergeant. Up! Up! And away! <laughs> Rocketing up into the evening sky, Superman streaks away to the north, on the trail of the bandits. And unknown to him, on the trail of Lois and Jimmy. Superman can travel at the speed of light, but can even he discover the disaster scene in time to rescue Jimmy and Lois? There are thrills and surprises in Monday's exciting episode, fellows and girls, so be sure to listen. Tune in Monday, same time, same station, for Chapter 6 of The Secret of the Genie on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a transcribed, copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine. It is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial, soon to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman is unaware that young Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane are pursuing a band of payroll bandits in the girl reporter's car and are at this moment roaring down a steep hill in the darkness, heading for a certain disaster. anything about how steel is made? Well, in case you don't know, let me tell you briefly something about it. The base for steel is iron. That metal is, as you know, strong in itself, but not strong enough or flexible enough for many uses. So, in order to make it strong and flexible for structural use, alloys are added in precise quantities according to the use for which the steel is intended. These alloys are also minerals, such as vanadium, manganese, chromium, and silicon. Without them, and the art of blending them with iron we should not have the powerful metal we call steel. Now, nations are very much like that. Take our own United States as an example. We are admittedly a powerful nation. And the reason for it is that blended with the basic iron among our people are the alloys, the mixture of races, cultures, and beliefs of types found all over the world. 
that are mixed and blended to make a clear-headed, strong, virile nation. Take away any of the alloys in the mixture that is America, and you weaken it. So don't fall for that bunk that Hitler tried to sell. The phony stuff about pure blood and a master race, because sheer bunk is what it is. That's been proven time and time again. Just remember that you, your friends, and your neighbors are the necessary alloys that together make up the steel, the strength, that is responsible for the greatness of your country. Let's all do everything we can to keep it that way. And now, the adventures of Superman. A bronze figure of a tiny creature half man and half ram was presented to cub reporter Jimmy Olsen by a mysterious person named Abdul, who said it was a genie and had the power to make Jimmy's wishes come true. To Jimmy's amazement, the figure actually seemed to talk. And when Jimmy wished to become a famous newspaper reporter, the voice of the genie told him to enter a sewer tunnel deep under the streets of Metropolis. There, a terrific explosion occurred, and only the arrival of Superman prevented a citywide disaster and saved Jimmy's life. But the cub reporter had a sensational page one story, just as the genie had promised. The next day, the genie instructed Jimmy to drive on a certain highway. And Jimmy, who had no car, enlisted the aid of reporter Lois Lane in her car. And driving out to the city limits, they saw a bandit gang shoot the watchman of an aircraft factory and escape with the payroll. The two reporters pursued them, but suddenly at the bottom of a steep hill where a bridge was under construction, the bandit's car suddenly left the road. And unable to stop, Jimmy and Lois plummeted down toward the river. Meanwhile, however, having learned of the payroll robbery, Superman, who masquerades as reporter Clark Kent, followed the bandit's trail. Now, from high in the night sky, he sees Jimmy and Lois's car falling through the air. Down to that car! Down! Speaking downward like a meteor flashing through space, Superman snatches the car bearing Jimmy and Lois just as it is about to crash into the Black River. Then, holding the machine as if it is a child's toy, the Man of Steel leaps upward and finally deposits it lightly as a feather at the crest of the hill. Tim, Miss Lane. Oh, Superman. Oh, boy. Am I glad to see you. Thanks a million. Yes, thanks for saving our lives. What happened? What are you two doing here? We're chasing some bandits. And what? Sleep malicious, I forgot. Oh, they're in they... the river, Superman. What? Yeah, they went off the road just before we did. Oh, yes. Now I see their car. Wait here. Up! Up and away! Oh, boy. I thought it was all up with us, Jim. It would have been if not for Superman. Say, he turned up in the nick of time yesterday, too. Maybe, maybe Shushaya took care of that. What did you say, Jim? I said, I'll bet the genie... Oh, uh, Genie? Uh, uh, oh, look, Miss Lane. Here comes Superman with the bandit's car. Oh. Are they done for, Superman? One is, Jim. The other three, including Joe Mora, are in Joe pretty bad shape. Joe Mora? Yes, Mr. Public Enemy Number One himself. I'm taking him and his pals to the police infirmary. You two meet me there if you're able to drive. Oh, sure, we're all right. Okay, see you soon then. Up, up, and away! Joe Mora? Oh, boy. Well, don't sit there dreaming, Jim. Start the car. Superman wants us to meet him at a police headquarters. Public Enemy Number One shoots watchmen and steals aircraft payroll. What? Daily Planet reporters trail him and are saved by Superman, who also rescues Bandit's car from River. Oh, boy, what a story. Oh, good heavens. I'm so upset I didn't realize we had a terrific scoop in our hands. I mean, you have, Jim. Get going for the nearest telephone. Practically there already. Read all about it, 
Superman and young Santa reporter capture Joe Moore and recover aircraft payroll You ought to see the reception Jimmy's nicknamed him Scoops. And, oh, hello, Chief. I didn't see you sitting there. Hello. Did you come all the way down to City Hall to join the party? I certainly did. I'm still editor of the Daily Planet as well as the mayor, you know. And I've come down to congratulate Jim and to double his salary. Double his salary? Oh, that's wonderful, Chief. It's no more than he deserves. Uh, don't do it, Chief, please. Oh, now, Clark, are well, you... Well, why in heaven's name do you keep saying don't do it? Didn't Jim get two scoops in two days? Terrific scoops? Well, maybe, maybe, but he caught every other paper in town flat-footed. I know. Our circulation jumped over 200,000. As a matter of fact, I ought to triple this salary. I think so, too, Chief. I tell you, you're making a mistake, Chief. By building Jim up this way, you're building up his confidence and trust in the person who's trying to murder him. Murder him? What are you talking about, Kent? Don't you see? It, it's due to a miracle, to, to two miracles, in fact, that Jim is still alive. Why, Clark? Listen, if a rat hadn't run across the trip cord in the tunnel and set off the explosive just before Jim got there, he would have been blown to bits. Well, maybe so, And if but... I, uh, I mean, if, if Superman hadn't been following the bandits last night and reached the river just as Jim and you two, Lois, were falling, it would have been all up with both of you. Well, yes, I know, but now... No, Kent... A good reporter makes his miracles. Oh, now, look. That's Jim. right. If a reporter's on his toes and in there trying, he often gets the break. Right. Jim may have been a little lucky. A little but, lucky. But he got his stories, and that's what counts. Now, where you get the notion that somebody was trying to murder him is beyond me. It's beyond me, too, Chief. Can't either of you see that Jim was deliberately lured into the sewer tunnel by somebody who wanted to get rid of him? No, I can't. Well, what makes you so sure of that, Kent? It stands to reason, Chief. It's obvious that he was sent into the tunnel, and he was walking straight at that trip cord. Why can't you believe that some crank or crackpot wanted to blow up the subway or the gas mains, and somebody else heard about it and tipped Jim off? Yes. Or maybe the crackpot himself tipped Jim. You know, some of those nuts want publicity at all costs. Certainly. That's just what I said yesterday. All right. Then what about this business last night? Well, what about it? Jim was told to drive north on River Road. Yes. Just before he reached the detour above Eastland, where they're building a new bridge, somebody removed the detour signs. And I say that was done so that Jim would drive into the river in the darkness and be drowned. Ah, uh, that's simply jumping to a conclusion, Ken. No, it is. You haven't a bit of proof to back that up. Of course not. Anybody might have removed the detour signs. But the trouble you... with you, Clark. I know, I know. Sure, sure. I, I'm jealous of Jim. Well, I hate to say so, but you know, I oh. think you are. <laughs> you know, Ken, I, well, I'm starting to think the same thing. Oh, confound it. Why must you both be so thick-headed? What? Now, you wait a minute, Clark. I'm that sorry, is... but you've got to believe me. I know I'm right. Two attempts were already made on Jim's life, and I'm sure there'll be another. I don't believe Neither it. Neither do I. All right, all right. I was counting on you two to help me save Jim, but since you won't, I've got to do what I can alone. There's just one chance left, and I'm going to take it now. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. While Clark Kent was telling Perry White and Lois Lane that Jimmy Olsen was in danger of his life, the cub reporter was answering a telephone call. Oh, hi, Abdul. Listen, that little genie you gave me is sure delivering the goods. I still can't believe it, but I got two big scoops and Mr. White doubled my salary and... Be careful, Sahib Olsen. If anyone learns of Sushaya, he will no longer be able to grant your wishes. Oh, well, nobody knows. Mr. Ken has been trying to find out where I get my tips. Do not tell him or anyone else. Oh, I won't, Abdul. Don't worry. Good. Now, hear me. Sushaya has granted two of your wishes. That indicates you are in high favor with him, and that you must ask him to grant that third wish at once. At once? You mean right now? Today, at six o'clock in the usual place. Do you understand? Sure, I'll ask him, all right. 
You know, I still can't make myself believe this stuff, Abdul. Have you not had proof of Susaya's power? Oh, yes, I guess so, but... Then do not fail to ask him to grant your third wish today. When two have been granted, the third is always granted. It is, huh? It is, indeed. Oh, brother. Susaya will not fail you. Farewell. Farewell. Oh, I mean, so long, Abdul, and thanks. Oh, brother... Now I get another wish and another scoop. Am I riding high? Replacing the telephone, Jimmy Olsen's eyes glisten as he visualizes his dream of becoming a great newspaper reporter well on its way to success. What will happen when Jimmy consults the genie again? Is Clark Kent right when he insists there's a plot afoot to take Jimmy's life? There's a thrill a minute in tomorrow's exciting episode, fellows and girls, so be sure to listen. Tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 7 of The Secret of the Genie on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a transcribed copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial, soon to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, in his guise of Clark Kent, Superman enlists the aid of reporter Lois Lane in a vital mission. Now, get this, Lois. I've got to go away for a couple of hours. And while I'm gone, I want you to keep your eye on Jim Olson. Jim? What for? Never mind. Just don't let him out of your sight for a single second. But why, Clark? Why? Because someone is out to take his life. You know, gang, often at the zoo, you'll see people pointing at a monkey and laughingly say, See that little guy over there? Well, he's my 32nd cousin. And even though that is a rather corny and time-worn gag, it seldom fails to get a chuckle out of those within earshot. And yet, it may not be completely a laughing matter. Learned men, particularly the famous Charles Darwin, tells us that modern man has developed from the monkey. Well, be that as it may, I certainly am not qualified to argue with experts on either side. But I'm kind of inclined to go along with the scientific explanation of the biblical story, which tells us that the world was once peopled by only two human beings, Adam and Eve who lived in the place described by the Bible as the Garden of Eden and located by scientists as somewhere in Asia. Now, starting from there, grew the many different people who today populate the earth. And accepting that fact, we must draw the conclusion that all of us, white, yellow, and black, descended from common ancestors who lived in an age long before history began to be chronicled, long before the development of what we call civilization. 
Well, now, that makes us all sort of what you might call 32nd or 64th cousins. It proves that all men were created equal, and that no man should suffer the persecution of bigotry and prejudice because, by the will of the Creator, his physical characteristics differ somewhat from yours. For, as the famous Scottish poet Robert Burns put it, a man's a man for all that. So remember, will you, always to judge a man by his character and by nothing else. And now, the adventures of Superman. Two sensational newspaper scoops, which Jimmy Olsen secretly believes were sent his way by a genie, have made the young cub reporter the toast of his newspaper and caused editor Perry White to double his salary. Clark Kent, however, who unknown to all is Superman, believes that Jimmy is being led on by an unknown person who intends to take his life. Determined to get to the bottom of the mystery, Kent has called Jimmy into his office. And as we join them now, is questioning the young reporter. Jim, I want you to tell me the name of the person who's been giving you these mysterious tips. I... I can't tell you, Mr. Kent. Why not? Well, I... I just can't. You mean because you promised not to tell? Well, I didn't exactly promise, but... Look, Jim, I'm asking you because I'm certain the person who's been giving you these tips is trying to kill you. Oh, no. Where'd you ever get that idea? Never mind. I'm certain of it. Now, you just missed twice. The other night in the tunnel when a rat set off the explosive that was meant for you, and last night at the river... Look, Mr. Ken, I hate to say this, but you're all wet. Why, I... Jim, have I ever given you a wrong steer? Oh, no, but... I'm not giving you one now, either. I know what I'm talking about. Now, tell me the name of the person who's been tipping you off to these big stories. Honest, Mr. Ken, I wish I could, but I can't. What? Because... Because if I did, I wouldn't get any more tips. Oh? But you're all wrong about my being in danger. No, I'm not, Jim. Sure, I, I'm as safe as in the church. And before this is over, I'm going to be the biggest reporter in the country. Mm. Well, except for you, that is. Well, I, I got to write a follow-up to my story now. I'll see you later. Jim, you're signing your own death warrant. Oh, quit your kidding, Mr. Kent. I'm sitting on top of the world. So long. <laughs> Want to see me, Mr. Kent? Yes, Beanie. You and Jim are pretty good friends, aren't you? Sure. Me and Scopes are just like that. Well, do you happen to know a friend of Jim's, probably a new friend named Jeannie? Mm, nope, I don't. Why? Jim let fall a name the other day, both to me and to Lois, when we were questioning him about his story tips. He covered up right afterwards, but the name sounded like Jeannie. It did, huh? Yes. You're sure you don't know anyone by that name? <laughs> I guess you want to get hold of this Jeannie and get her to give you some fake scoops, too, huh? Skip it, skip it. Jim's mother might know. I'll hop out and see her. You're certain you don't know any friend of Jim's named Jeannie, Mrs. Olson? No, I don't, Mr. Kent. I know all of Jim's friends, every one of them. Oh. Why do you ask? Well, I, uh... I don't want to alarm you, Mrs. Olson, but I, I think there's something strange about these big scoops Jim's been getting. I don't think it's strange. Huh? I've always known Jim would be a success. He's very bright, you know, and he's not afraid of work. Oh, yes, of course, well, but I'm I... surprised that you're trying to belittle him, Mr. Kent. He's always looked up to you, so... I'm not trying to belittle him, Mrs. Olson. I, I just... Oh, excuse me. Oh, certainly. Somebody's at the door. James Olson lives here. Oh, yes, but he's at work now. What is it? Special delivery letter for him. Sign it, please. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, there you are. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, it's a special delivery letter for Jimmy... Oh, can you just see up there on the envelope who it's from, Mr. Kent? I left my glasses upstairs. Oh, yes, certainly. It's from Lucius Tuttle, attorney at law, Pine Valley, Vermont. Pine Valley? Uh-huh. But that's where my late husband came from. 
I wonder what a lawyer in Pine Valley would be sending Jimmy a special delivery about. Oh, I don't... Uh-oh. Oh, what is it, Mr. Kent? Why, this... This letter said... Uh, what's uh, that? Uh, and think the way you're looking at that envelope, a body would think you could read the letter inside it. Huh? Oh, uh, the... Tell me, Mrs. Olson, are any of your husband's relatives still in Pine Valley? Oh, just his stepbrother, Lem, I believe. Well, don't you know for sure? No. You see, Lem and my husband fell out years ago, long before my husband passed away. Oh, I see. But, but about this letter for Jimmy... Look, uh, I'm going back to the office now, Mrs. Olson. Would you like me to take it along for Jim? Oh, well, yes, I'd be thankful to you, Mr. Kenton. Please tell Jimmy to call me up and tell me what it says. I will. Goodbye, Mrs. Olson. <laughs> You see, Lois, Jim's Uncle Lem hated Jim's father and his family, and yet according to this special delivery letter for Jim from a lawyer in Pine Valley, Uncle Lem died last week and left Jim $10,000. $10,000? Huck, how wonderful. Wonderful, it's true. What do you mean, it's true? You said this lawyer wrote to Jim and said so. He did. But don't you think it's a little strange that Uncle Lem would leave $10,000 to the son of the man he hated? Well, yes, but he could have had a change of heart before he died. Gone soft, you know. Well, yes, he could have. Or this might be a trick. A trick? What do you mean? The lawyer asks Jim to come up to Pine Valley tomorrow when the will is to be probated. What's tricky about that? Don't you see, Lois, Jim was led into two traps in the past two days. In both cases, the bait used was the promise of a sensational newspaper story. But in this case, the bait is money. Oh, you're off on that nonsense again. About somebody trying to murder Jim. It's not nonsense. Well, I say it is, and so does the chief. No. Honestly, Clark, when you get an idea in your head, it takes dynamite to get it out. Well, maybe, but I'm trying to save Jim's life before it's too late, and I want you to help me. All right. What do you want me to do? Well, it's very simple. I'm going up to Pine Valley now to investigate this inheritance. I want you to promise not to let Jim out of your sight while I'm gone. Why? I told you why. Because he's in danger of his life. I don't believe it, and don't shout at me. I, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, look, Lois, will you please cooperate with me just for a couple of hours until I get back? Please. Well, I suppose I could keep an eye on Jim, but it's so silly. That a girl. Oh, and don't mention his inheritance to him. Promise. You mean he doesn't know about it yet? Nobody knows except you and me, not even his mother. Then how did you find out? Oh, well, I... Why? Clark Kent, you didn't open Jim's letter. No, of course not. Well, then not. how did oh, you Oh, it find... doesn't matter now. Just promise not to mention his inheritance and promise not to let Jim out of your sight for a second till I get back, will you? Oh, all right, I promise. Thanks. I'll see you later. Hurrying from Lois Lane's office, Clark Kent steps into a vacant storeroom, swiftly strips to the blue costume and red cape of Superman, and a moment later is rocketing through the late afternoon skies, bound for Pine Valley, Vermont. Up, up, and away! And now, back to the adventures of Superman! Soon after Clark Kent, as Superman, streaked away from the Daily Planet, the big clock in the now almost deserted city room showed five minutes before six o'clock. Jimmy Olsen, carrying a small carved box under his arm, left his desk and walked a bit furtively toward Kent's office. Jim, where are you going? Oh, I'm just going into Mr. Kent's office for a minute, Miss Lane, to, uh, uh, to make a call. What's the matter with your own phone? Well, uh, this is rather private. <laughs> Your girlfriend, Jimmy, perhaps? What? I was just kidding. Go ahead, Jim. Hurrying into Kent's office, Jimmy shuts the door behind him. Then, as the clock in the nearby insurance tower begins to strike six, he quickly removes the tiny bronze figure of the genie Shushaya from the carved box 
with trembling fingers, sets it on its four tiny feet on Kent's desk. Six o'clock, Shushire. Time for you to do your stuff. Go on. Give me another big scoop. Just like those two you already gave me. Come on, Shushire. Give. Jimmy makes his wish to the genie. The little half-man, half-ram figure begins walking from side to side on its four tiny feet, as it did previously before the mysterious voice bade Jimmy make his wish. Will Jimmy be directed to another scoop and to great danger? What will Superman, who is convinced that his young reporter friend is the target of an unknown murderer, discover in Vermont? And what is the secret of the genie? There are thrills, chills, and high suspense in tomorrow's exciting episode, fellows and girls, so be sure to hear it. Tune in same time, same station for Chapter 8 of The Secret of the Genie on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a transcribed copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial, soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. That's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice.
today, while Superman is far away, cub reporter Jimmy Olsen asks what he thinks is a genie to grant another wish and receives an amazing reply from the tiny bronze figure. Give me another big newspaper scoop, Shushire, will you? Yes, I will grant your wish, Master. Now you're talking. But for the last time. For the last time? Well, why? What's When the... I have granted this wish, you will need me no more. For tonight you will achieve immortality. Immortality? Hmm. Just how does he mean that? Ever had a really bad sunburn, gang? Well, I know a boy who once was so badly sunburned that he almost had to go to the hospital. You see, last summer, on the first hot day, he went out to the beach early in the morning. He stayed all day eating lunch there, and by 5 o'clock, he began to wonder why he itched so much. Then, on the way home, he noticed his skin was the color of a very ripe tomato and was very hot. And soon it was so sore that even the touch of his clothes was a searing pain. Of course, his mother quickly called the doctor, who arrived to find him on the bed moaning in agony. The doctor applied some soothing cream and fed him some drugs to put him to sleep. But he told my friend's mother that if the boy had remained in the sun a little longer, it might have been necessary to take him to the hospital. Now, the trouble was, the doctor explained, the boy didn't know that you must build up an immunity to the sun's rays. That means expose yourself for just a short time while at first and gradually increase the time in the sun. Now, gang, you don't want to be in my friend's predicament, do you? Well, to avoid that... Try to remember these rules suggested by the American Red Cross. One, build up immunity to sunburn little by little. Two, use a good sunburn ointment. Three, if you do get a sunburn, apply calamine lotion or a tannic acid solution and jelly. Remember, doctors will tell you that a sunburn is a real burn like that from a fire and is not healthy. So be smart. Avoid too much sun. Be content to brown gradually. <laughs> And now, the adventures of Superman. A tiny bronze figure of a genie, which apparently has the power of speech, has directed Jimmy Olsen to two sensational newspaper scoops. But both times, only the opportune arrival of Superman saved the young reporter's life. Jimmy was showered with praise, and editor Perry White doubled his salary. But Superman, who masquerades as reporter Clark Kent, was convinced that some unknown person was trying to take Jimmy's life. Then a special delivery letter addressed to Jimmy fell into Kent's hands and furnished him with a possible clue. Warning Lois Lane not to let Jimmy out of her sight while he was gone, Kent secretly resumed his true identity of Superman and streaked to the little town of Pine Valley, Vermont. And as we join him now, once more in his guise of the mild-mannered, bespectacled reporter, he is in the small law office of Lucius Tuttle, a tall, spare, white-haired man. Tell me, Mr. Tuttle, did you send a special delivery letter to Jim Olson in Metropolis telling him he had inherited $10,000? I did. Well, then... Then you mean Jim really did inherit that money? Of course he did. Left to him by his Uncle Lem. Oh. <laughs> Guess your young friend was surprised, eh? Hey, he certainly will be. As I understand it, Uncle Lem not only hated his stepbrother, Jim's late father, but he hated Jim and his mother, too. He sure did, Mr. Kent. Lem hated just about everybody. I expect he even hated himself. Well, then how do you explain his leaving $10,000 to his nephew? <laughs> Easy. He did it despite Abner. Abner? Who's he? Abner Quinn. He's Lem's nephew on his mother's side. Oh. And a no-account good-for-nothing if ever I seen one. Mean, too. <laughs> Guess that's why Lem comes close to liking Abner as he ever come to liking anybody. That mean streak appealed to him. Meaning no disrespect to the dead. No, oh, no, of course not. But tell me, Mr. Tuttle, 
Why didn't he leave his money to Abner instead of to Jim Olson? Told you. Lim aimed to spite Abner. But why in heaven? On account of Abner wouldn't stay up here on Lim's farm and take care of him when Lim got to ailing. Oh. Lim wanted to save the price of a hired hand, you see. But Abner, he'd come up for a little while and then go right back to Metropolis to his card playing and fast friends. I see. Or once in a while, when Lim wouldn't give him any money, Abner would get a little job acting on the stage. Oh? He's got kind of a talent for it, but he's too lazy to work at it. I see, but why... Oh, about a month ago it was, just a couple of weeks before he went to meet his maker, Lim called me in. Tuttle, he says, I want you to draw me a new will. Fix it so that my brother's son, Jim Olson, gets all my cash and securities. About $10,000 that'll come to. And he cut Abner Quinn off completely? Yep. He don't get a sense at all, Lim, to me, excepting anything happens to Jim Olson before my will is probated. Uh-oh. In that case, Abner can have my $10,000, Lim says. But I don't figure he'll get it, because Jim's just a young fellow. Wait, Mr. Tuttle. Does Abner Quinn know about this new will? <laughs> he sure does, Mr. Kent. He does. Why, he come running up here for Lim's funeral, his hands itching to get hold of the money. When I told him he wasn't getting a red cent, his face turned so red, and his eyes got so mean... I thought he was going to kill me. Well, did you tell him then about the provision in the will whereby he'd get his uncle's money if anything happened to Jim Olson? Nope. I wasn't going to tell him anything. But the next day, he come up here with a fast-talking city lawyer demanding to see the will. And you showed it to him? Uh, yes. Uh-oh. I didn't have to, but I wanted to see Abner's face when he saw he was cut off. What did he say? <laughs> he hit the ceiling. Well, of course. But he knew he was licked. His lawyer friend told him so. Yeah, he was licked, that is, unless something happened to Jim before the will was probated. Yeah, that's right, Mr. Kent. According but... to your letter to Jim, Mr. Tuttle, a will is being probated tomorrow. Is that correct? Yep, it is. All right, now do you happen to know where Abner Quinn is now? Why, well, I expect he's back in Metropolis. That's where he usually is. Do you know his address in Metropolis? Eh, uh, I reckon I've got it here in my book. Would you please give it to me? Yeah. Ah, here it is. Broadway Hotel, 219 West 48. I know the place. It's the third rate theatrical hotel. All right, I'll get going now, Mr. Tuttle. Many thanks. Out of these clothes. If Abner Quinn is behind these mysterious attacks on Jim, he'll try to finish him tonight before his uncle's will is probated tomorrow. I better get to his hotel fast as Superman. There we are. All set. Now, up, up, and away! <laughs> Leaping high into the sky above Little Pine Valley, Superman glances briefly at the setting sun, then rockets away for Metropolis and Abner Quinn's hotel. Meanwhile, having received his instructions from the genie in Clark Kent's office in the Daily Planet, Jimmy Olsen, the carved box containing the genie under his arm, steps into the now almost deserted city room. He starts quickly toward the elevators, but stops abruptly when Lois Lane calls to him. Jim, just a minute, please. Huh? Oh, Miss Lane, what? Where are you going? Who, me? Yes, you. Oh, uh, I'm going out. Out where? Well, uh, I'm going to eat dinner. Oh, good idea. I'm rather hungry myself. I'll go with you. Well, no, you can't. Why, Jim, are you refusing to eat with me? Oh, no, it's not that, Miss Lane. It's just... Just... Well, I already promised to eat with somebody, see? And I... Oh, why can't I... Hey... What's that noise? Well, what noise? Well, don't you hear it? That kind of a, a rattling noise? Oh, uh, why, it's not... I think it's coming from that little box you're carrying. Let's see it, Jimmy. No, don't touch it. Why not? What's in it? Uh, well, uh, it's a surprise. Surprise? Jim, is there something alive in that box? Uh, no, uh, yes. I mean, I don't know. You don't know? Look, i got to go now, Miss Lane. You may as well know right now, Jimmy Olsen, that you're not going anyplace without me. Uh, now, listen, Miss Lane. Now, I've tell got... me, what is in that box? Gee, was can a fella take a... A surprise to a girl without everybody butting in? Oh, so you've got a date with a girl. Well... Who is it? Jeannie? 
Huh? It's the one clock and I thought it was giving you those story tips? Oh, no, no, it isn't. Now, look, Miss Lane, I gotta go. All right, I'm ready. I'm very anxious to meet you, girl, Jim. No, I, I can't take you along, Miss Lane. Now, don't, don't you, you, silly Jimmy. I'll only stay for a little while. I just want to meet the girl and see what's in that box. But, but, look, Miss Lane, I'll call her up first and tell her, okay? Well, yes, if you think that's necessary, but... I'll call her right now. Well, where are you going? Here's the phone on this desk. I'll call from Mr. Kent's office. Oh, okay, Jim. I understand. Find him a spot. Lane insists on tagging along. Shushaya said I had to go alone tonight. What'll I do? Jimmy seems to be trapped. Or is he? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. <laughs> Once more in his guise of Clark Kent. Superman walks swiftly into the almost deserted city room of the Metropolis Daily Planet and sees Lois Lane reading a newspaper at Jimmy Olsen's desk. Hello, Lois. Oh, Clark. Did you find out about Jim's $10,000 inheritance? Not so loud. It's on the level, all right. I told you so. Now I hope you'll stop your nonsense about tricks and plots to murder Jim. Lois, now I'm sure it isn't nonsense. Oh, now, Clark, you just... Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me finish. Jim gets his legacy, all right, but only if he's still alive tomorrow. Huh? If he isn't, the money goes to one Abner Quinn. And my hunch is that Abner is the person who's been trying to get rid of Jim. Well, but who's Abner? And why he's would... He's a distant cousin of Jim's who, according to the terms of their uncle's will, gets the legacy if anything happens to Jim before tomorrow. I see. Now, but... I've just been to Abner's hotel, but he checked out a couple of days ago and didn't leave a forwarding address. So I put Candy Myers on his trail. Oh, meanwhile, we just make sure that Jim doesn't get out of our sight until... Hey. Where is Jim? Oh, relax. He's in your office telephoning to his girl. Now, wait and a now minute. Now you're back, I can Jim is not in my office, Lois. Now, stop that, Clark. I just saw him go in, and I've been sitting right here watching just the door. Just the same, I tell you, he is not in my office. Come here. Oh, Clark, really? Look! Good grief. You're right. Of course I am. Now, where is he? He couldn't it? have left without my seeing him. Why, I was sitting right there watching now the he's door. he's gone, Lois. Lois, pray that he... he... Oh, no, Clark. Oh, no. <laughs> What has happened to Jimmy? How could he have left Kent's office when Lois was waiting and watching outside the door? We'll learn the amazing answers to most of these questions in tomorrow's fine-thrilling episode, fellows and girls. So be sure to listen. Tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 9 of The Secret of the Genie on The Adventures of Superman. Transcribed copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial soon to be shown at your local movie theater. Subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loop on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Rouses! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. 
you're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, when Superman returns to the Daily Planet in his guise of Clark Kent, he and reporter Lois Lane make a startling discovery. Where is Jim, Lois? He's not in my office. He must be, Clark. I saw him But going. he isn't, I tell you. See for yourself. Good heavens. You're right. Of course. Now, where But he you... came in here just a few minutes ago to telephone. I've been sitting right outside the door, and he, he didn't come out. And how do you explain his not being here? Well, I... I can't explain it. He... He, he just disappeared. Gang, I'm sure you've all seen Abbott and Costello in the movies. Well, do you recall how those poor guys always take it on the chin? Yes, I do mean always. Why, if there's a bucket of glue a mile off, you just know they're going to fall in it. And if custard pies are being thrown, you just know who's going to get hit in the face. Yet, you always laugh. Because naturally, a fall guy is very, very funny. Well, what do we mean by fall guy? Just exactly that. The guy who falls for everything. The stooge. The bird who puts his foot into it by swallowing what other people tell him. Oh, sure, there's plenty that's likable about some fall guys. Mostly, though, we just laugh at them. But certainly nobody wants to be a fall guy in real life. But without knowing it, lots of people are. For instance, when you swallow phony rumors about persons whose race or religion is different from your own, you're being a fall guy for the troublemakers. And when you allow prejudice to influence your opinion of another fellow, uh uh-uh, watch out, you're being a fall guy. Or when you fail to look for character as the most important quality in your friend, which is much more important than what side of the tracks they live on, Just remember, pal, in funny movies, people like Abbott and Costello are always getting in Dutch for trusting the wrong people. In other words, don't let mean people with mean ideas ever take you for a sucker. Yes, sir, be alert, be alive, be on your own. Know which way you're going, and that way you won't ever be the fall guy who goes kerplunk in a bucket of glue. And now... The Adventures of Superman. By some strange means as yet undetermined, cub reporter Jimmy Olsen has apparently been receiving tips on sensational news stories from a tiny bronze figure he calls a genie and is now being hailed at the Daily Planet as a great reporter. Warned by Abdul, the mysterious man who gave him the genie, Jimmy has refused to reveal the source of his tips. But Clark Kent, who unknown to all is Superman, is convinced that some unknown person is out to take Jimmy's life. Telling Lois Lane not to let Jimmy out of her sight, Kent left to follow up a clue. But when he returned to the Daily Planet a short time later, Jimmy, who had been contacted by the genie during Kent's absence, had mysteriously disappeared. Now in Kent's office, Lois Lane, the girl reporter, stares about her in bewilderment. 
But I tell you, Jim went in here to telephone, and he didn't come out, Clark. Wait a minute. I think I know how he got out without your seeing him, Lois. How? Come over here to this window. The window? Uh-huh. Look, there's a wide ledge outside, see? Now, Jim could have crawled along that to the storeroom. Oh, yes. And he... got out through there to the freight elevator. Yes, of course. I'll bet that's what he did, Clark. Now that I remember, he did his best to get rid of me before. He did, eh? Yes. You see, when he got it through his head that he wasn't leaving here without me, he said he had a dinner date with a girlfriend. Girlfriend? Yes. And I insisted on going along with him. Finally, he said he'd call her up and find out if that would be all right. Uh-huh. So he came in here to your office and, well, you know the rest. Oh, if only I did know the rest, Lois. This girl might have promised him another big story. She might even be working for Abner Quinn. Abner Quinn? Oh, he's Jim's cousin, isn't he? Yeah, it's a distant cousin. You remember I told you their mutual uncle left Jim $10,000, which he inherits unless something happens to him before tomorrow, in which case the money goes to Abner Quinn. Oh, Clark, surely you don't think... I'm not just thinking, Lois. I'm suspicious. Quinn is a bad lot, and I'm certain those big scoops Jim got so mysteriously were traps but designed now, to take his life. Now, look, Clark, you don't have a bit of proof of what you're saying. I know it, And but... yet you're willing to accuse this Abner Quinn, a man you've never even seen of being a would-be murderer. I'm not actually accusing him, Lois, well, but I... you certainly are. Oh, excuse me, it's my phone. Hello? No, Jim isn't here. I don't know where he is, Beanie. Yes, I'll tell him. So long. Well, I gather Beanie doesn't know where Jim is either, hmm? No, he said he called him at home, but... Hey... What's that? What? Did you hear that rattling noise? Oh, yes. Yes, it sounds... It seems to be coming from my desk drawer. Well, what in blazes is this? It's a little carved box. Yes, and the rattling is coming from it. That's the box Jim had. Well, what's it doing in my desk? I don't know, but it was rattling that way when I saw him with it, but he refused to tell me what was in it. He just acted very strangely when that rattling began. Great Scott, I wonder... What's in that box, Clark? Go on, open it. Look. Why... What on earth? You know what this little bronze figure is? Well, it has the head of a man with horns and the body of a, of a sheep. A ram. All right, a ram. What's it supposed to be? A genie. A genie? Sure, you know, one of those mythical creatures who's supposed to be able to make your wishes come true. Wait a minute, I don't get it. How could this little bronze figure, I How mean... How could it tip Jim off to his big news scoops? Why, yes, of course it couldn't, but... Oh, yes, it could, and it did, Lois. What? Have you gone mad, Not Clark? at all. I just haven't been as observant as I should have been the last couple of days. Here, wait, and I'll show you. What are you looking for under your desk? I want to get something that's stuck onto the underside. There we are. Now, here's the answer, Lois. Why, what's that gadget? A miniature shortwave radio receiver. A radio receiver? Uh Uh-huh, fixed with a suction cup so that it would adhere to a flat surface. Good heavens. Somebody, and I have a hunch who it was, stuck it to the underside of my desk. And then talking from nearby, probably through a walkie-talkie transmitter, he sent his voice into my office here. So made Jim think that Jeannie was talking to him. Oh, now, Jim wouldn't fall for that. I'm afraid he did, Lois. Since he found it so necessary to shake you, I assume he must have gotten another tip. Now, wait a minute, Beanie said a man wearing a turban and earrings who called himself Abdul brought Jim a card box like this a few days ago. Yes. Since then, I found out that Abner Quinn is an actor. So my hunch is that he posed as Abdul, gave Jim this figure and some cock and bull story, planning to lead him into a trap. But why? To get rid of him and get Jim's $10,000 inheritance for himself. Oh, Clark, stop it. You're scaring me. I'm scared myself, Lois. I tried to find Quinn, but he'd moved from his third-rate theatrical hotel without leaving a forwarding address. I got Candy Myers on his trail, but Candy may or may not find him in time. Now, listen closely. Yes, Clark. You call Inspector Hennessy. All right. Tell him everything I've told you and tell him to turn loose every detective he can to look for Abner Quinn and Jim. Yes? You stay right here in case Candy Myers calls. All right, but where are you going? I'm going to look for Jim in my way. You'd better pray hard that I find him in time. Hurrying from his office, Clark Kent steps into the storeroom, swiftly resumes his true identity of Superman, and leaps high from the window into the night sky to begin his search for Jimmy Olsen. Up! Up! And away! A 
short time later, just before midnight, the young cub reporter himself alights from a taxi at the gates of the Riverside Amusement Park and approaches the cashier's window. Uh, one ticket, please. Closing up in a few minutes, bud. Well, that's all right. Give me a ticket anyhow, please. Okay. Here you are. Thanks. Uh, look, which way is the Tunnel of Fear? Tunnel of Fear? Straight up the midway. First turn to the right. You won't have time to get a ride. That's okay. I don't know if I want a ride. Thanks, mister. A few minutes later, the brilliant varicolored lights are dimmed. The concessions and rides start closing up. And the last of the crowds are streaming toward the exit gates as Jimmy pauses before the dark and deserted tunnel of fear. Just beyond the ticket cage at the landing platform, three empty gondolas bob on the narrow blackish water which winds in a canal toward a long, low tunnel. Staring about him but seeing no one, Jimmy steps uncertainly onto the landing platform, then starts as a voice speaks to him out of the darkness. Good evening, Saib Olsen. Twirling around, Jimmy makes out a tall man wearing a long robe, a turban wound around his head and small bright stones in his ears. And then, taking a step nearer, Jimmy gasps as he recognizes the man. Why, why, you're the man who gave me the genie. You're Abdul. Amazed, the young cub reporter stares at the tall, turbaned figure and wonders what Abdul is doing here. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. It is midnight in an amusement park. And on the dark, deserted landing platform at the entrance to the Tunnel of Fear, Jimmy Olsen has met Abdul. Strange man who had presented him with the genie Shushaya. Gosh, what what are you doing here, Abdul? Shushaya instructed me as he did you. Get into the boat, please. We must proceed. Oh, to get my soup, huh? Of course. Okay, let's go, Abdul. Say, uh, where are you taking me? We are going into the tunnel of fear. There you will find your great newspaper story and immortality. Immortality? The genie said that, too. Just how did he mean that? That, Saib, you will discover for yourself very soon. Despite himself, a small cold chill runs down Jimmy Olsen's spine at Abdul's words. But he quickly shakes himself out of it as he recalls that it was, after all, Abdul who had presented him with the tiny genie, which already has granted him two sensational scoops and caused his salary at the Daily Planet to be doubled. So Jimmy smiles and sits up eagerly as the gondola-like boat, with Abdul propelling it with a long oar, approaches the low black tunnel. What will happen now as Superman continues to search for his young friend? We'll find out in tomorrow's thrilling, smashing climax of our story, fellows and girls. So be sure to listen. Tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 10 of The Secret of the Genie on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a transcribed, copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial, soon to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. 
Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, breaking off his search for young Jimmy Olsen, Superman returns to the Daily Planet in his guise of Clark Kent, where he checks with girl reporter Lois Lane. What about the police, Lois? Have Inspector Henderson's men picked up Jim's trail? I just talked to him, Clark. He told me his men have had no luck either. Oh, what about my private detective pal, Candy Myers? Any word from him? Nothing, Clark. Oh, dear. What are we going to do? Oh, I don't know, Lois. I'm afraid we'll never see Jim again. Once upon a time, many, many years ago, gang, a young prince misbehaved. His father, the king, decided to punish him. Find a peasant boy in a prince's age, his majesty commanded. It is not seemly to whip his royal highness. So whip the peasant boy instead. Well, did you ever hear anything more stupid or ridiculous than that gang? Yes, that is actually how they disciplined royal princes hundreds of years ago. They appointed whipping boys whose patriotic duty it was to take it on the backside for some royal cluck. Then when the spanking was over, his royal highness probably felt fine and dandy. Goodness only knows how the whipping boy felt after being walloped for something he didn't do. Anyhow, the custom died out when people discovered it didn't make much sense. That is, it died out, and yet in a way, it didn't die out. Because today, some people are doing their darndest to keep that silly custom alive in another way. And that is, they try to pass the blame for their own shortcomings onto others. They see themselves, goodness knows why, as better than everybody else. So they look around for what we call whipping boys. Generally, what they have in mind is some minority group, people whose race or religious faith is different from theirs. Yes, it's so easy to take it out on the other fellow. Now, you know, that is neither sporting nor fair, nor for that matter does it make sense, because walloping somebody else's seat never gets to the seat of your own trouble. Don't you ever forget that. And now, the adventures of... Superman! After getting two sensational newspaper scoops, which he believed were sent his way by a tiny bronze figure, cub reporter Jimmy Olsen consulted the genie again. Then he left the Daily Planet in a hurry. A short while later, Clark Kent discovered the statuette in his own desk. Then he found a miniature walkie-talkie radio receiver attached to the underside of his desk. Convinced that Jim's distant cousin, Abner Quinn, had used the genie and the walkie-talkie to lure the young reporter to his death, Kent contacted the police and then, in his true identity of Superman, began a desperate search for Jim. But meanwhile, Jimmy had arrived at the amusement park, which was closing down for the night. At the tunnel of fear, he was accosted by the turbaned Abdul, the man who had given him the genie. Abdul told the young reporter to enter a gondola, and standing in the stern with a long oar, sent the craft gliding down a narrow canal toward a long tunnel. Except for the two and the splash of Abdul's oar. All is dark, silent, and deserted. Say, Abdul, what is this new story I'm going to get? You will find out for yourself, Sahib, when we enter the tunnel up here. Oh, boy, I can hardly wait. The genie said this scoop would even top the other two I got. Shushaya has been good to you, eh, Sahib? You're not kidding. Well, I don't know how to thank you. Lower your head, Sahib. We are about to enter the tunnel. Oh, okay. Golly. 
dark in here. I can't see a thing. In a moment, when we enter the main portion of the tunnel, you will be able to see a little. A fluorescent substance in the walls provides a faint light. Say, you're right. I can't see a little now. The ceiling's higher, too. Yes, I will not need my ore now. Well, where's my big story? You said I'd get it when we got into the tunnel. Yes, you are about to get it now. Oh, but I don't see it. Hey, what's the idea of the knife, Abdul? It's for you, cousin. Cousin? What are you talking about? You didn't know we were cousins, did you, Jim? Quit your kidding. I'm not Put kidding. Put that knife down, will you? You got away from me twice, you lucky little rat. At the explosion and last night at the bridge. I got away from you? But your luck has run out now. And this time I'm going to finish you. Hey, no. Wait, don't. Then we'll see who gets Uncle Lem's $10,000. What $10,000? You must be crazy. Put that knife down. Sure, I'll put it down, all right. This way. Hey, no. Cut it out. Get away from me, Uncle Lem. I'm going to finish Clinging desperately to the turbaned man's wrist, Jimmy Olsen fights for his life in the dark tunnel. Slowly, the taller, stronger man forces the blade closer and closer to the desperate young reporter. Meanwhile, unable to pick up Jimmy's trail, Superman has streaked back to the Daily Planet. Resuming his guise of mild-mannered, bespectacled Clark Kent, he enters the long, dimly-lit city room, deserted at this late hour except for a telegrapher, a night city editor, and Lois Lane, who is concluding a telephone conversation as Kent approaches. Yes, yes, I'll tell him when he gets back. Right. Goodbye. Hello, Lois. Oh, Clark, am I glad to see you. Listen, did you... I'll give it in a few words. I haven't been able to find Jim and neither have the police. I know, but... I'm still sure Abner Quinn is behind the genie routine, and I was hoping that Candy Myers would be able to pick up Quinn's trail, but so far... Wait, will be quiet a moment so I can tell you something. Tell me what? Candy Myers has picked up Abner Quinn's trail. He has? Yes, he just phoned in and said Quinn has been working for the last few days at the Riverside Amusement Park. Amusement Park? Yes, at the Tunnel of Fear. He dresses as as an Arab or something. Arab, of course. Candy's on his way out there now, but... So am I. I'll see him there. Be in touch with you later, Lois. Walking away from the Daily Planet, Superman is on his way to aid Jimmy Olsen, who at this moment, in the dark, shallow waters of the Tunnel of Fear, clings desperately to the powerful wrist of his turbaned opponent. Slowly but surely, the young reporter feels the power of his resistance running out. And now, with a long knife only snatched few inches away from his chest, Jimmy hears his would-be murderer cry out, It's no use, my dear cousin. I'm gonna finish you. Oh, no, you don't. I'll take that knife, Quinn. Superman, it's Superman. Let go, I'll kill you. Let me go with you. I'd better give you a sleeping pill. Oh, Oh, boy, Superman. We got here just in time. He was gonna... I know, I know. It's all over now, Jim, so just relax. Come on now, up with you. And up with your money-mad cousin here. Is he really my cousin? Uh Uh-huh. A distant cousin who would inherit $10,000 from a mutual uncle if you died. We're going to put him in a nice, cozy cell at the city jail. Come on, hang on, Jim. Here we go. Up, up, and away! What makes the genie rock like that, Mr. Kent? There's a tiny vibrator inside this little figure, Jim, that's set between two magnetic poles. And when you talk in its direction, the sound waves set the vibrator moving from pole to pole, and the genie rocks from side to side like it's doing now, until you pick it up, like this. See? Well, I'll be... What about the voice, Mr. Kent? I distinctly heard a voice coming from it. The voice was your cousin Abner talking on a walkie-talkie, Jim. A walkie-talkie? Yes, he attached a miniature walkie-talkie receiver to the underside of my desk here. Then he stood in that stair hall across the court, which overlooks this office. When he saw you make a wish to the genie, he just spoke into his transmitter and told you what to do. Oh, and I fell for it. Boy, am I dumb. Oh, don't feel too badly. Oh, oh there. There you are, Lucy. You, you, you unspeakable word, you. Huh? Uh, take it easy, you Chief. You stay out of this, Kent. But, Chief, look. And you too, Lois. Well, Olson, 
What have you got to say for yourself? Oh, not much, Chief, except I... Well, I'm just a dope, that's all. You should have listened to Mr. Ken in the first place. Yes, that's all. Well, it's all over now. Abner Quinn is in jail. Oh, no, have... it's not all over. Not by a long shot. Oh, now, wait. He not only made a fool of himself, believing in that, that superstitious tummy rot, but he made a fool of me, too. You? How did I? By getting me to double your salary. By making me brag about you all over the town, you... And, oh, now, how am I going to face people? How can I tell them that my young genius of a reporter has been led on by a genie? <laughs> Got a wonderful headline for that story, Chief. Genie bites genius. Oh, I like that, Clark. Well, I don't. And that's for you. <laughs> oh, Chief. Alton. Chief, I didn't... You're fired. Oh, now, look here, Chief. Let's not go that Now, be quiet. Quiet! I'll take no back talk from anyone. Alton is definitely through. As Perry White Blowers defiantly at the shocked members of his staff, Jimmy Olson, his face pale, hangs his head and starts to walk out of the office. Is this really the end of the young reporter's career with the Daily Planet? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Believing that Jimmy Olsen has deliberately perpetrated a hoax on the Daily Planet, Editor Perry White has just fired the young cub reporter from his staff. And now, as Jimmy Whitefaced starts to walk slowly out of the editor's office, Clark Kent comes to his defense. Just a minute, Jim. Look here, Chief. Isn't it true that Jim brought in two scoops? Well, yes, but... And didn't you say the Daily Planet circulation jumped considerably because of them? Yes, yes, but... Then Jim earned his raise, and then some, even if he did do it by being a bit of a... Uh, well, uh... Oh, I'm saying it, Mr. Ken, I'm a jerk. And besides, he's got a third scoop now. A story that's even bigger than the other two. Yes, eh? Hey, what do you mean, Mr. Ken? What is it, Paul? He helped capture Abner Quinn. What? The man who almost wrecked the subway and sewer system the other night, and who's had the police running in circles trying to find him. That's right. Don't you call that a scoop? Especially when Superman was involved, too. Yeah, how about that? Okay, okay, I know when I'm licked. Go out and write the story, Jim. You, you mean I'm not fired? Well, not this time. It's the next time you start talking about genius. Oh, there won't be any next time. Believe me, I've learned my lesson. No more superstition. Well, it better not be. Now, get out of your typewriter, you, 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 you ninny. Yes, sir, Chief. I'm on my way. And take that to the confounded genie, will you? <laughs> And so, laughing in hilarious relief, our friends see another exciting Superman adventure come to a happy close. But unknown to them, a new and even more amazing adventure is looming for Superman and his friends. It has thrill, suspense, mystery, and you'll hear the first exciting chapter on Monday. So be sure to tune in again Monday, same time, same station, for more of the adventures of Superman. Superman is a transcribed copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial, soon to be shown at your local movie theater. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, 
mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman, in his guise of Clark Kent, makes use of his extraordinary vision at the Metropolis Airport to discover something that spells bad news for girl reporter Lois Lane. Look, Clark, there comes the clipper. I see it, Lois. My sister Diana's on that plane. I can hardly wait to see her. Oh, I know. Uh Uh-oh, something's wrong. Wrong? What do you mean? You better pull yourself together, Lois, and get set for a shock. A fellow once told me, gang, about a crooked carnival he went to where a carnival peddler, or pitchman as they're called, was offering beautiful prizes to anyone who played his game. Now, this game consisted of three walnut shells and a single dried pea. For a dollar a chance, he let my friend guess under which shell he hid the pea. And if my friend was white, pitchman would pay five dollars. Well, it looked easy, but my friend almost lost his shirt. Because although he didn't know it, the shell game is just about the oldest sucker bait in the world. You see, it's all done by sleight of hand. The pitchman never lets that dried pea out of his fingers. His shell game is strictly for suckers. Now, it should interest you to know that apart from carnivals, you'll find certain phony balonies in public life, sometimes trying a shell game of their own. We call such men demagogues, which is another word for political windbags. They offer hatred as their bait. Vote for me, they bellow. I got a good way to improve things. Throw out the foreigners, they scream. Down with this or that minority group, they shriek. Blame your troubles on the other fellow, they whine. And you know something? Sometimes people actually fall for the spiel? Yes, the German people did under Hitler. They swallowed a lot of fancy pitchman's abracadabra, and when they woke up, they found that Hitler and his gang had swiped their shirts. But here in the USA, it's different. Most of us hate to be played for suckers. We know that demagogues who preach bigotry do not have honest prizes to offer. We know their talk's as empty as the shells in a shell game. And if we don't know, we should. How about you? Can you be taken in by the demagogue pitchman's fast talk? And now, the adventures of Superman. Several days have gone by since cub reporter Jimmy Olsen's exciting experience with the bogus genie from which he was rescued by Superman. Now, Jimmy is away on his vacation. And neither Superman, who masquerades as Clark Kent, nor Lois Lane, the girl reporter, are aware that they are on the brink of an amazing adventure as they breakfast together in the lobby restaurant of the Daily Planet building. How about some more coffee, Lois? Oh, no, thanks. Talk about too. Well, what happened then? Oh, well, then I told the chief that if he thinks I'm going to... Oh, wait a minute, Lois. What's the matter, Clark? Beanie's looking for you. Oh, Beanie Martin? Uh-huh, here he comes. Seems to be in a hurry. Wayne! Yes, Beanie, what is this it? This cable just came for you. Cable? Yeah, it just arrived. I thought I'd better bring it right down because it might be important. Oh, that was very thoughtful, Beanie. I wonder who's cabling me. Why don't you open the envelope and find out? I intend to. <laughs> oh, thanks very much, Beanie. You're welcome. i got to get back up to the city room. I'll be seeing Okay. Who's cable from, Lois? Let's see. Why, it's from Diana. Your sister? Yes, she and her dancing partner are on a professional tour of Europe, you know. Oh, yes, that's right. Well, what is she Listen up to? Miss Clark. Arriving Metropolis, Monday, August 16th, 10.30 a.m. Monday, August 16th. That's today? Yes. That's odd. Why? Because she had dancing engagements in London and Paris and Vienna and wasn't due back until Christmas. Oh? Does she give any reason for the change well, in her see. plans? Please meet me. Has sensational story for you, love. 
Diana. Sensational story, eh? That sounds interesting. Yes, but I still don't understand it, Claude. Why? Well, she's been getting rave notices from the press, and I can't believe she'd break up her tour just to bring me a story. She could cable it or write it or anything. Yes, I suppose she could. There's but something she probably... awfully strange about this, Clark. Well, if there is, Diane, I'll tell you all about it when you see her. So there's no use in your beating your brains out trying to guess. I suppose not. Just the hey, same. Hey, wait. I... It's five after ten. You have to rush to be at the airport by ten thirty. Oh, dear. How can I... My even... car's outside. I'll drive you. Come on, Lois. <laughs> Uh-huh. I can't wait to see Diana. Yeah, I want to see her, too, and hear the terrific story she said she... Hey, what the... What's the matter, Clark? Well, Diana... Well, what about Diana? Well, she... You better get set for a surprise, Lois. A surprise? What are you talking about? The clipper's coming down. You'll find out in just a moment. Clipper, but I, I don't see Diana. I wonder where she... She wasn't could... on the plane, Lois. What? That's right. But she cabled. She was taking the Clipper. I know, but Here she wasn't... Here comes I'll ask her. Okay, suit yourself. Oh, uh, Stewardess. Yes, ma'am? Uh, are all the passengers off the plane? Why, yes, they are. Well, then where's my sister, Diana Lane? You see, she cabled me. She was taking... Diana the... Lane? Yes, that's right. She wasn't on this flight, miss. But uh, I don't understand. Well, would you know if she canceled her reservation, Stewardess? Well, yes, I think so. Let me check my report. Please. I don't like this, Clark. Oh, relax, Lois. Yes, yes, here it is. Miss Diana Lane did have a reservation for this flight. It was made from Paris. Yes, that's right. She cabled me from Paris. But she didn't appear at the airport yesterday morning, so at flight time, her reservation was sold to somebody else. She she didn't appear? That's correct. And she sent no notice of cancellation? No, sir. That's strange. I've got to make a report to the flight office now, so if you'll excuse oh, me... Oh, certainly. Thanks very much. You're quite well. Oh, Claude, now I know something must be wrong with Diana. Now, take it easy, Lois. But... She was undoubtedly delayed for some very good reason. But she would have notified me if that were so. Okay, chances are there's another cable for you at the office right now. Come on, we'll find out. Hey, Miss Lane. Oh, Beanie. Beanie, do you know if another cable came for me? No, Miss Lane, I didn't see any, but somebody's trying to phone you from Paris, France. From Paris? Probably Diana. Oh, dear. You're supposed to call the transatlantic phone operator as soon as you come in. All right, Beanie, I'll do it right now. Wait, I'll go with you. No, Mr. White just called, Mr. Kent. He wants you to come down to City Hall right away. City Hall? Uh Uh-huh. Something important happened, he said. Oh? Well, you go ahead and make your call, Lois. I'll hop over to City Hall and be back as soon as I can. I want to know about Diana. So do I. If only this call is from her. Yes, this is Lois Lane speaking. Will you put Paris on, please? Hello? Hello, Diana? Lois? Yes, how are you, darling? Well, I... What's happened? Why weren't you on the clipper? All the strangest things have been happening, Lois. I'm frightened. What do you mean? I'm... I'm afraid to talk about it. Afraid? On the phone, I mean. Oh, nonsense. Listen, Lois, could you possibly come over here right away? You mean to, to Paris? Yes. Yes, I, I think I'm in danger. And I... Well, what danger? If you'd only tell me what you're talking about, I'd... I can't tell you over the phone, Lois. Please join me here. But, Diana... If you took the clipper today, you could be here tomorrow. I know, honey, but I have to get time off and oh, I can't... Do it, please do it. I'm, I'm terribly frightened, Lois, and I'm all alone. Please say you'll come. Well... Oh, all right, Diana. Oh, that's wonderful. Wait a minute. What's your address in Paris? It's 13 Rue Saint-Germain. 13 Rue Saint-Germain. Yes, it's a small palm hill. Yes. Oh, Lois, don't fail me. I, I don't know what to do. Just sit tight, darling. I'll wangle the reservation on the clipper somehow, and I'll be with you tomorrow. Now, don't do a thing until I get there. Oh. 
puzzled and deeply concerned, reporter Lois Lane prepares to leave for Paris. What's going on there? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Concerned about her sister Diana, Lois Lane flew by Clifford to Lisbon, Portugal, and from there by another plane to Paris. As we join her now, she is at 13 Rue Saint-Germain. The address given her by Diana, where an elderly porter concierge of the rooming house leads her up two dimly lit flights of stairs. Forgive me, mademoiselle. These stairs are for an old man difficult. Yes, of course. Tell me, where is my sister's room? It is the front suite. Come, I will escort you. Thank you. You're sure she's at home? Ah, oui. The after door is locked after ten o'clock. And it is necessary to awaken me, as you know, if one wishes to leave or enter the house. This your sister has not done. I see. Ah, here is her suite. I will knock. She must be asleep. Knock again, please, will you? Oui. She sleeps soundly, that one. Funny, she never used to. She'd wake up at the least noise. Maybe if I rattle the door now, but... Why? Why, the door's unlocked. Oui. And the mademoiselle neglected to turn off the lights. Good heavens. What's happened here? What is this? All the furniture overturned, the lamps broken. Well, there must have been a, a fight or something. Quickly, where's the bedroom? Uh, right here, mademoiselle. This door. The lights still burn here, too. Diana. Diana, where are you? She is not here, mademoiselle. There is no one here. Good heavens, where is she? What's happened to her? Her face pale. Lois Lane stares from the empty bedroom to the deserted sitting room, where the overturned chairs and heaped-up rugs give mute evidence of a violent struggle. What has happened to Lois's only sister? What was the sensational story she had to tell? And of what was she afraid? This is the beginning of a new and exciting Superman adventure, fellows and girls, that's chock full of thrills and baffling mysteries. You won't want to miss a single episode, so be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 2 of The Mystery of the Letter on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial soon to be thrown at your local movie theater. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silver age heroes join us again same bat time same bat station for another presentation of silver age heroes radio theater excelsior